Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Cappy Magar is a Texas raconteur. He's got a book. It's called The Man Who Made Mark Twain Famous. I love the subheadline. Let me read it slowly. Stories from the Kennedy Center, the White House, and other comedy venues. Let that sink in. Hey, Cappy, thank you so much for being here. I told my producer, with regard to you, that if we had grown up in the same locale, I know we'd have been friends. Michael, we definitely would have been. I'm I'm a huge fan of yours. Thank you for having me on. Well, thank you for saying that. But my, my mother always said about me when I was growing up, she said, you never let grass grow under your feet. And I think that's like a statement that would apply to you. I, I love how you're at the University of Texas, and there's a particular professor. She causes you to have a very unique final exam. Do tell. Well, uh, it was Elspeth Rostow, who Walt Rostow was a national security advisor uh, to President Johnson. And uh, I took a tutorial, a three-hour tutorial on President Johnson. So I get this call from President Johnson's uh, last, actually, uh, chief of staff. And uh, he said, come up to the LBJ library. We have uh, a meeting that Harry Middleton would like to uh, discuss some issues with you. And so Harry Middleton was the director of the LBJ library. 
And so I went up there, Mrs. Rothschild was there, Harry Milton was there, and, they, and Harry said, look, I understand you've been studying President Johnson for uh, the semester, and uh, we'd like to have you be President Johnson and Mrs. Johnson's aide during the Civil Rights Symposium. It was right, actually a week, uh, uh, excuse me, a month before he died, uh, and it was the last public appearance. And so meaning aid, meaning go get my coffee, go get my speech, right. uh, uh, gopher. Uh, and so uh, I said, well, that's fantastic. I was very excited about it. Then Harry Middleton said, incidentally, President Johnson is going to give you the grade. And he's a very tough writer. And I went, okay. okay. <laughs> so it was an incredible experience. Uh, President Johnson uh, did not come in the first day because there was a sleet of ice on the uh, in, in, in Austin uh, from LBJ Ranch. He literally drove himself in the next day. He had terrible angina. In fact, as during that final speech, he was popping nitroglycerin pills. And uh, it was an incredibly moving moment. Uh, there was somebody from at the end of his speech, somebody from CORE uh, came down and started shouting at the president, said, we have not done enough. We have not done enough. And uh, the Secret Service kind of grabbed him and said, uh, President Johnson said, let that man speak. And President Johnson actually uh, invited him to the podium to speak. And then after he spoke, President Johnson in front of the podium gave one of the great speeches, his last public speech. It was an incredible experience for me. I was a very young man. but Yeah, had had to have been a thrill. And there's a photograph in the book of of you first of all you know there he is and there is lady bird and there and then i guess you're you're the young guy with that full head of hair <laughs> i had a it was also uh, uh black hair not uh, gray like it is now uh no a upi photographer took that uh, photograph and uh the uh caption in the houston chronicle it went actually it was uh, it was in almost every paper in the, in the country but the houston chronicle said uh, president mrs johnson an unidentified a which I'm still reeling from today. I mean, gosh, I wish they'd identified me. <laughs> anyway, it was an incredible experience. And later on, Mrs. Johnson was on the Board of Regents at the University of Texas, and I was uh, in student government, vice president of the student body. And she asked me to come up to have lunch with her. And I said, sure. Well, the issue of the day were fees, student fees. And so I did my homework, got a big binder of student fees, trying to convince her to you know, be on the student side. And she didn't want, to, didn't want to talk about student fees at all. She said, Cappy, the president ordered this picture for you. And it was that picture that's in the book. And uh, it was a really incredible moment class, for all of us. What a, what a class. What a class act. Cappy, you have always been drawn to stories. You've always been drawn to storytellers. You've always been drawn to jokes. I mean, easily <laughs> your career, your life could have gone in a different direction after University of Texas. Right. You could have found yourself doing that for a living instead of going into the private sector the way that you did. But but it, it all comes full circle for you because you are a co-creator of the nation's highest prize that we give to humorists. Right. It was a, a fortuitous. Uh, President Clinton appointed me to the board of the Kennedy Center. And uh, these three guys went to the White House, uh, John Schreiber, uh, Mark Krantz, and Murray Horowitz, and talked to Ann Stock, who was White House Social Secretary. And they said, look, we'd like to do a uh, we'd like to do a comedy show here at the White House. And and then said, you know, we're not being very funny around here. There was a crisis, which we won't go into, but it was a Clinton crisis. And so she said, listen, I'm going to the Kennedy Center and I'm going to be in charge of institutional relationships with which means she was dealing with Congress. And so bring it on, bring bring this idea of the comedy uh, 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 prize or award or whatever comedy show to the Kennedy Center. 
And so the president of Kennedy Center invited me. We had a board meeting that day. And so he invited me to this, this, this first meeting. And that's when we decided to start the National Award for Humor, named after Mark Twain. He was actually the country's first stand-up comedian. He had, he had invested all of his money that he had made from Huckleberry Finn and uh, Tom Sawyer into this printing press. And he declared bankruptcy. And it was just a terrible disaster. So he literally went around to these theaters and gave speeches and talks. And it was really a stand-up uh, com- uh, comedic effort. Uh, and he, made, he did make money and was able to survive. But uh, that's why we named it the Mark Twain Prize. So, so the first recipient, it, and it almost, the story's well told in the book, almost the first and last recipient was Richard Pryor. What, first of all, right. why was Richard? I mean, obviously on the merits, he deserves it, but a lot of people deserve it. Why was it Richard Pryor? Richard Pryor uh, had so much influence on all the comedians who followed him. He was truly one of the great stand-up comedians of all time. And if you look at all the list of, of uh, comedians in the rankings, Richard Pryor is either one or two or three, but he's literally at the top of the list. A lot of people don't know this, but he also co-wrote uh, Blazing Saddles with Mel Brooks. Uh, and he w- Mel actually wanted him to play uh, Black Bart, but they couldn't insure him because of Pryor's drug use. And so, unfortunately, he didn't get to be uh, – Cleavon Little did a spectacular job, by the way. He didn't get to be uh, a Black Bart. And so we were honoring Richard Pryor. We had uh, incredible uh, uh, people that are honoring him. Perry Belafonte, uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, and everyone got up and said how Mark Twain would have been so proud and so honored to have Richard Pryor get the first Mark Twain prize. And uh, Chris Rock was at the very end of the show. He'd just come off Saturday Night Live. And uh, he was one of the hottest comedians uh, in the country and still is, of course. And uh, But he gets up there and he goes, listen, I've heard all this MF, BS, all MF night. He said, I've heard that uh, everybody here said how pleased Mark Twain, how proud Mark Twain would be of giving Richard Pryor the, my prize. He, would, he wouldn't have said that at all. He would have said, say, in, take my MF bag upstairs right now. And, of course, the concert hall erupted in laughter. Unfortunately, we had the entire Kennedy Center board there. And I was behind them, so I couldn't see the expressions on their face. Anyway, the next morning, we have an executive committee meeting at the Kennedy Center. And Jim Johnson's the chairman. Uh, uh, Alma Powell, uh, uh, Colin Powell's uh, wife, is, was on there uh, on the executive committee on the board. So was Buffy Kafritz and Ambassador Jean Kennedy Smith. She had flown from Ireland to uh, the Kennedy Center board meeting, and she was sister at the, of uh, sister the of sister of the sister of President John Kennedy. Exactly right. And so we had this, you know, we had this conversation. Jim said, Kathy, give us an update. I said, well, we lost over $100,000, but this could be a great event if we really, uh, you know, work at it and, and, and we could build it. There was incredible laughter and new people, young people coming to the Kennedy Center. And so everybody talked about it and they had the vote and Jean Kennedy Smith voted no. She was the only vote no at, 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 that, uh, at that meeting. So we're walking to the to the main boardroom, uh, the main board meeting. And Jim Johnson said, Kathy, I'm so sorry that the Mark Twain prize is dead. I said, well, Jim, what are you talking about? We only got one no vote. He goes, Kathy, she is the sister of President John Kennedy. If she's not for it, it's not going to happen. Right. So I made a beeline to, to Jean. I said, Madam Ambassador, I uh, said, you know, you voted against it. I said, uh, I really want to know why I've worked so hard to make this thing happen. In fact, is my wife and I had bought a third of the seats in the concert hall of the Kennedy Center 
to support it. And she said, well, my brother would have been horrified at the N word and the F word said on the stage bearing his name. And I said, Madam Ambassador, you're absolutely right. Uh, but your brother stood for great charm, wit and humor. And I think you would have been very happy on, on the laughter exploding in his on the stage bearing his name. And she said, well, let me think about it. She, she, acts, she actually uh, changed her vote. In the board meeting, Jim Johnson said, Cappy, give us an update. Uh, we're going to do it. Uh, we'll do it another year, although we last lost 100,000. Michael, it now makes uh, that event at the Kennedy Center. It's one of the cornerstones with the Kennedy Center honors, uh, but it makes now over $2.5 million for the Kennedy Center. So it's become a great success. You've had, correct me if I'm wrong, 22 recipients the last was in 2019, and it was Dave Chappelle. And in May, you'll resume awarding the prize, the Mark Twain Prize. That's correct. Uh, May 1st will be our next Mark Twain Prize uh, recipient. COVID, you know, put a kibosh on a lot of stuff, including, uh, you know, the arts and the Kennedy Center. So we postponed the Mark Twain Prize and, until next My, uh, May. Th- in in the book, by the way, the, the book is called The Man Who Made Mark Twain Famous, and Cappy <laughs> McGar is, is my guest. There are lots of funny lines in the book. Here's my favorite. It, it was delivered by Sarah Silverman, and it was said in 2019 relative to Dave Chappelle, who, of course, has been in the news a great deal recently. And, and she was doing a comparison between Chappelle and Mark Twain and said... You both love using the N-word in your masterpieces. I thought that was <laughs> just a great line. Just to, but there's so many funny people that you've, you've been associated with as a result of this. I, I hardly know where to go without giving the book away. I was personally envious of the idea that you, Cappy, are in the Oval Office with Will Farrell and President Obama. Well, take me in the room. What was that like? Well, he and his wife, Vivica, who actually, to, to, to steal a phrase from Talladega Nights, is a smoking hot wife. Uh, also, <laughs> Another great movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. Uh, and Will is very, very uh, kind and nice and, uh, you know, not shy, but, but, but just a genuinely nice person. And uh, so we went in and and President Obama was very happy to, to meet both of them. And he loved uh, Elf. And and uh, he invited, I think, uh, uh, Will to uh, come to uh, the Christmas party. Uh, well, I'm not sure he did or not. But, no, it was just wonderful. And then President Obama had us go into the Situation Room later on, in which you can imagine these young kids uh, in these banquettes watching the news or watching television cameras all over the world. They all get up and they all want their picture made with Will Fair. Will, Will said, sit down, sit down. I don't want the, the world to become unsafe. He said, I'm going to come around. I'm going to take a picture, each and every one of you. But he was just a, a sweetheart, and, uh, and his wife was is just, just as nice as he is. By the way, we had uh, the rehearsal dinner at the National Archives, and Jackie Mars of the Mars Candy Company was on the board. She actually – uh, got the opera or emerged the opera with the Kennedy Center. And so I was at a meeting, Kennedy Center board meeting with her, and I said, uh, uh, Jackie, listen, for my birthday, last birthday, uh, a friend of mine put my picture on M&M's. Would you, uh, we're honoring Will Ferrell, will you put Will Ferrell's uh, picture on an M&M so we can give him, give, give him out as party favors? She said, what color? I mean, she didn't hesitate. She's incredibly right. nice and gentle yeah. woman. 
And so at the National Archives, everyone had this tin can of Will Ferrell M&Ms. Will went to every single table and said, listen, I need some of those. I need more of my of my face on those M&Ms. Do you, can, can I have them? I don't think anybody gave it to him, but it was a wonderful Will Ferrell moment. One more, if, if you don't mind indulging. So Bill Murray is honored with this prize. You pick him up. I think you said it was at the Four Seasons in Georgetown. And, and of course, uh, he comes in a Cubs jacket and wants to know if he can wear it as he's going to meet an incredible Chicago White Sox fan. What ensued? Well, I asked, he asked me, he said, you know, what do I wear to the Oval Office? And I said, you're Bill Murray. You can well wear whatever you want to wear. He said, what if I wear this Cub jacket? And I went, it's up to you. Obviously, the president's not going to be happy about it. So he walked in the Oval Office. By the way, the White House called me a week before this and said, would Will do an Affordable Health Care Act public service announcement in the Oval Office with the president? I said, well, let me ask him. So I asked him. He said, well, sure, uh, but I don't want to strip. I'll do an ad lib. I said, perfect. And so we walk in the Oval Office and the president said, you know, I don't let anyone in here who's a Cub fan, particularly someone wearing a Cub uh, jacket. And if you'll remember, the Cubs went on to win the World Series. So it was a really great for Will, uh, for, 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 for Bill, uh, Murray. Bill Murray. But, but Bill Murray. And so uh, we did the photograph uh, with the Mark Twain Prize. And we talked about the Mark Twain Prize. The president was very complimentary of, of Bill. And uh, so the uh, there was a young aide before we went into the Oval Office who said, you know, here's a script, uh, Mr. Murray. He said, he looked at me and he said, Cappy, I said, no script. Ad lib. I said, uh, t- the president's a great ad libber. Please go tell the president that uh, Bill's, you know, wants to do an ad lib. So he, he leaves. He comes back in the uh, the cabinet room and says, uh, "Okay, the president will do that." I said, "Oh, okay, yeah." I, I figured he would say yes. And so the 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 PSA was a, a putting contest between the president and Bill. And so the president puts down a paper cup, and the president says, "Bill, I bet you a dollar a hole." And Bill said, "You're on." And so Bill said, I'm not putting into that paper cup. <laughs> there, there's the picture right there. <laughs> he goes, the person says, why? I said, because when you put, Bill said, when you put a golf ball into a paper cup, it doesn't go ding. Right, we need right, ding. Right. So the, he, the president shouts out, says, is there anybody have a glass around here in the, in the White House? And so they bring a glass. <laughs> Bill puts in every single shot. The president, who's incredibly competitive, misses every one of them so we're walking out of the oval office oh and, and well well the first of all let me tell you about the psa bill is limping and he's holding his hip and his knee and the president said bill what's wrong he said oh I, my knee or my hip he said it's 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 really it's it's hurting me pretty bad the president said well do you have health insurance he goes you know I, you know i really don't he said well you know you can sign up for the affordable health care act and bill says Oh, great. You know, does it cover mental issues, too? <laughs> Only as Bill can say. And the president said, well, sure, it, it covers mental issues, too. Anyway, long story short, uh, the president misses every hole. And we walk out and the president turns to me and says, Cappy, you know, at the end of every golf game, you got to pay up. And I said, yes, sir. And you lost that game. He said, yeah. So he turns to his uh, aide and said, Hey, do you have $5? Oh, $5 to Bill. <laughs> so he literally gives the $5 to Bill. It was a really wonderful experience. Bill and I, the president gave me his putter and Bill had his putter and Bill and I went out and put it on the Eisenhower green right outside the Oval Office. So come on, come Bill, on. How Bill, great Bill is, is that? just one of the great, yo, it's fantastic. Michael, it was, you can't believe how fun it was. I mean, and Bill Murray's fun. 
Oh, and yeah, another, another, great, tell. another great guy like Will Farrell, stopping every single person in the White House. I took him to the he wanted to go see the kitchen. And Bill Murray stopped and shook everyone's hand on cook, the chefs, the sous chefs, <laughs> the waiter, everybody. It, 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 he's a great guy. I know you're not going to give it away. I'll just say this. The one who has been elusive, who has gotten away thus far from you, uh, now 95 or 96, is Mel Brooks. When I think of Mel Brooks, of course I think of Blazing Saddles. But, Cappy, I am an enormous Larry David fan. Love Curb. Best show on television. Love Seinfeld. And I'll never forget, I think it was season three or four, the producers was the storyline, and Mel Brooks plays a role in Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it was my favorite season of the whole. I hope you get him, is what I wanted to say. And I'm happy that I got you. The book is called The Man Who Made Mark Twain Famous. It'll be good to laugh again, so I'm eager to see what happens. You're credited as saying, in Washington, there aren't enough funny people and too many jokes. I love that line. Privileged to meet you, and thank you so much for being here. Michael, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's Cappy McGar, ladies and gentlemen. The book is terrific. The POTUS audience will love it. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays.